Carla Leader, and this is Parental Guidance, where knowledge is power and we're going to give it to you. Now, while we're education attorneys, this show is to provide you knowledge and general information, not legal advice for your individual situation. If you have an education issue, you need to consult with an attorney in your state. Now, today's topic is one that comes up a lot, and that's FAPE. Free Appropriate Public Education. And while it's a simple concept, it actually has a lot of complexity to things. So before we started recording, Catherine was kind of telling me a story about why she wanted to do the topic of FAPE. And I looked at her and I said, why aren't you telling me this story while we're recording? Like, we could just be so much more organic if you just tell me the story for the first time while we're recording. And she said that would be just like Regis for you Regis fans out there. Yeah, for those of you who've watched Regis and Kathy Lee or Regis and Kelly, Regis wouldn't even say hello or good morning to his co-host when he walked out because he wanted that first good morning to be his first authentic good morning. So if he would see Kelly or Kathy before her out there, he would just ignore them and go right to his spot, even if they had a good hour and a half before they went on air. And so I always thought that was funny. And Carla and I talk a lot about that. When we're doing these podcasts, we want to provide you not only information, but a little entertainment, because this is a hard topic in some ways. And so we want to have that enthusiasm. And so we were talking about FAPE, which it's a term that probably most parents with special education students have heard. But for those of you who are just entering the special education world or who have general education students or you're trying to learn, FAPE stands for a free, appropriate public education. And this requires, this is in the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Section 504. Yes, you can tell it's been a long day for Carla and I already. But speak for yourself. I, I sound I, good. You do. <laughs> So, but basically, FAPE must be provided at public expense and at no cost to the parents of a child with a disability. And what that means is that if your child has any type of special needs, the school needs to be providing those services, um, and that includes educational services, psychological services, related service, without charge. And they can't add in things that they don't generally do for all students. And that's what we were talking about before. There are things called incidental fees, right? If you, if a school district has a bill for art supplies that they send to everybody, you're going to have to pay that bill even if you have a child in special education. The difference is what Carla and I were just chatting about. If your child needs something, let's say they need a special type of pen, let's say they need an assistive technology device, or they need a special organizational system, they need things in their locker, they need a wheelchair ramp, all of that is supposed to be provided. Do you want to share the specific story that you were telling me? Well, it's it's sort of an ongoing case, but I think it, it comes up with a lot of parents. So basically... Districts, there is established law that districts cannot put any financial restrictions whatsoever on an IEP or the development of an IEP. So in most cases, if you're supplying an, a one-on-one aid to the school, 
if you have a child that has schizophrenia or a bipolar condition and they injure things at school, chairs when they have um, meltdowns, that type of thing, the school can't say, we're going to charge you money in order for your child to attend here because they destroy things or they need things or they ha- they need an aid. So that's really well established in the case law. But what happens sometimes is schools will tell parents that, If your child destroys a desk, we charge every family in our district if a child destroys a desk. And what they start to do is in districts like that, they start to erode away what FAPE is supposed to mean and what the federal law says FAPE is by saying, your child destroyed two chairs this week. Um, They broke their newest assistive technology device um, at school, not at home. Uh, they went through 10 pencils. They pulled the pencil sharpener off the wall where they start to invoice the parent monthly. That is absolutely contrary to what FAPE provides. We see a lot of parents, too, who will sometimes give health insurance information to the school where the school is then billing their health insurance that sometimes has lifetime limits, um, saying that, you know, they're just trying to get a variety of resources That's asking the parents to cough up some of their money to provide these services that are supposed to be provided by the school. And so that's one thing when you're, when you're thinking FAPE is you have to understand all materials that are necessary for your child's special education services outside of, for instance, a textbook fee that is being charged to all students. All materials related to your child's special educational services should be provided. Um, if you need OT therapy, speech therapy, uh, special transportation, a bus that has a lift for a wheelchair. The wheelchair. The wheelchair in some situations. Yeah. Uh, you know, adaptive PE classes, adaptive PE equipment. Um, we're not talking about the best equipment in the world. We're not talking about you know, the Cadillac as, as I was just going to say, we'll yes. have to, to explain that. And so there was a, a landmark case rally and that case basically said, you know, that parents are entitled to a serviceable Chevy, not a Cadillac. And so that's used a lot, even though, um, Andrew is now kind of replaced rally in some respects. It hasn't, it didn't overrule it. It just clarified it and, and kind kind of modernized it a bit. But, you know, we still kind of use that phrase, you get the Chevy, not the Cadillac. A good example of that is, you know, if a child really needs residential treatment, you know, there's these programs out west in Utah and Colorado and, you know, wherever, these incredible residential programs that cost like ten to $20,000 a month. And then there's the, the state you know, residential programs that may not be great. Many people may not want to send their kid there, but, uh, you know, ultimately the school is required for their needs to be met and it doesn't have to be in the best facility with the most, you know, the best equipment and the best services. They just, it just has to be appropriate to meet your child's needs under the circumstances. But, you know, it just, just to kind of piggyback, I feel like I talked about this on, on another um, podcast, or maybe I just told you during one of our pre-recording discussions, Catherine. Uh, you know, I recently got a call from a parent who is is raising her grandson. So it's a grandmother who raising her grandson, and she has severe arthritis. 
and her her grandson has disabilities and he's a preschooler. So, you know, even forgetting that he has disabilities that limited his abilities to do certain things, he's a preschooler. And the the school refused to move the bus stop back about 250, 300 feet so that this grandma could just send him out the door when they saw the bus coming and she wouldn't have to go out with him. And as a result, he was missing a ton of school because, you know, her arthritis, of course, anyone who knows anything about arthritis, it's worse in the mornings. When it gets cold, it's worse, you know, and and depending on how bad it is, it can be really, really debilitating. And she was unable to walk this little boy to the bus stop. So again, forgetting the fact that he also did have disabilities disabilities, he's a preschooler, he's a little guy. And she wasn't going to send him off to the bus stop where she couldn't see him and make sure that he was safe. And they they just refused to do it. So I don't know what the outcome is. I'll have to update because somebody else actually was um, putting me in touch with this and they were trying to work it out with the school without having to bring me in. But, you know, there needed to be some education there of the school. Listen, it's not the child's um, disability always. It's the parents and not to mention that the ADA applies in that situation as well. But the child was being denied FAPE. If a child can't get to school, how are they receiving FAPE? That is why transportation-related services are all part of a free and appropriate public education. So I, I think that when you think about the word FAPE, you come to the conclusion that really there are two main factors here. There's it needs to be provided at no cost. And there is the, it needs to be appropriate for that child's needs across their academic needs, their social needs, their psychological needs, and their need for related services and extended school year. And districts can't cut around or circumvent the no cost requirement. Um, some districts try and do that in all sorts of ways. And, and it's really important as a parent when you're going to sit in that IEP conference that you remember really two things from our discussion today. One, you should not be paying anything to have your child within the public school. That's what our tax dollars are for. That's why we have a public school system. If you're paying in a way either indirectly or directly, there's a problem. And I'll give you an example of an indirect way. Um, and Carla, I know you see this a lot too, where we have parents tell us that they go on all their child's field trips because the school doesn't have an aide who can go. Or the aide is a classroom aide and she's watching too many students and your child needs a one-on-one aide. That is an indirect way of providing those services that should be provided at no cost. The school can certainly bring in substitutes on that day, uh, make sure that all students who need one-on-ones during a field trip are there. But that is one way that schools sometimes circumvent this law and it's something to be aware of. And I think the second thing is, Whenever you're asking for something from the school, keep in mind the words appropriate and not best. And that's something we've spoken about in the past, and we'll probably have a whole episode on that. But when we say appropriate, if something is not going to allow your child to progress, if something is going to cause problems, safety issues, that's not appropriate. There's no debate. I think sometimes it's easier to define best than what's appropriate, because we can always look to what, you know, your child needs two hours of speech therapy. That's optimal. Really, you know, in reality, they're going to make progress with 20 minutes. So I think that's where you're looking at those two standards. And before every IEP meeting, what are you looking for? What cost has the school tried to assess? And sometimes 
you know, talking about indirect again, this brings me back around, Carla, but you and I often get parents who are paying for tutoring. Yes. Yeah. And other services outside of school. So they, I mean, that's an indirect way that they're not being provided FAPE. Right. And let me just back up with that because I think that we, I want to clarify that and I don't want our listeners to jump to the wrong conclusion. There's nothing stopping you from getting extra support for your child outside of school. And actually, I mean, I think most parents would want to do that. But you don't want to do that because they're not making progress at school. If they're making progress, but you just want to kind of push it along faster and you want them to make more progress than what they're making, you know, again, the progress needs to be appropriate under the circumstances. So typically, you know, you want, if you've got a gap, you want to be making more than a year's progress in a year's time if you want to close that gap. Now, obviously, it depends on a lot of different circumstances. So, you know, that's a pretty general statement. But, you know, if you want to do extra services, that's fine. But if your child isn't making progress at school and therefore you're going out to get private services, the school is going to take credit for that progress that your child's making. And they're not going to therefore change up the program or do response to intervention or put in additional services because they're going to see the progress. And I don't think it's possible really for, at least not easily, for you to show that it's because of your tutoring that your child's making progress. So if your child's not making progress at school, your first step should not be to go out and pay for private services, unless you just don't want the fight. I mean, there's always that option, right? I mean, you can always do whatever you want privately, and a lot of parents do. But just keep in mind that the school is going to take credit for that progress. And they are. And I think that that can be problematic. That sounds funny when we talk about the problems here, but uh-huh. it definitely can be problematic in cases where we have a parent really, really supplementing from the outside, doing a lot of the child's homework with them for hours in the evening. Sometimes you do get that artificial picture of what the school is providing. So it's, it's really important to analyze what you're doing, what the school's doing and what they should be doing. Absolutely. Now, this is a very brief overview of FAPE. Honestly, everything we talk about in every single episode comes back to FAPE. But we just wanted to kind of have an episode where we really talked about what is it? You know, what exactly does it mean? And how does it apply? And, you know, what should I be looking for? And again, the biggest you know, the words that you should be focusing on in FAPE is free and appropriate. We know it's obviously public is a big part, you know, private schools aren't required to to provide a FAPE or, you know, under IDEA. But those are the ones that you should be focusing on free and appropriate. And that the appropriate is just I mean, we, we could talk for days about that. Yeah, the appropriate is what we have in every topic we have, it needs to be appropriate, whether we're talking about your child's speech therapy, occupational therapy, um, adaptive uh, PE class, all of that has to be appropriate. So just remember, this is the sort of the overriding standard. And today we focused a little bit more on the F portion of that, the free portion and what that means. But this is the overriding standard. Just get familiar with that term. If you're not using it um, at IEP meetings, now you have a new term you can. Exactly. Well, thank you again, as always, for listening. 
please do download our episodes. If you haven't already, subscribe. Make sure your friends have subscribed. Go on Facebook and Instagram and comment. Give us questions. Uh, we are going to start doing more question and answer sessions, you know, after each few episodes. So please do continue to send us your questions. Again, as we've been saying since we started this endeavor, we're doing this for you. We want you to get valuable information from this that you can then turn around and really use to advocate effectively for your child. So with that being said, have a lovely day, lovely week, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Catherine. Bye.